0: You are listening to Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show about books, book clubs, and people who read. I'm your host, Amy. I've been a member of numerous book clubs over the last 25 years, and I've started quite a few. You could even say I'm a book club collector. I'm also a vintage bookseller, a traveler wannabe, and a fanatic about dogs.
1: And I'm your host, Carrie. I'm an English teacher, a freelance writer, a blogger, and the person whose Instagram feed features more photos of my cats than my kids.
0: Each week, we will talk with a guest who is a member of a book club about their group, what makes them tick, and what books really catch them on fire.
1: We will also tell you about our literary lives, what books are on our nightstands, and other bookish fun.
0: Welcome. Okay, so today in the closet, we have a friend with us. Her name's Ann Baker, and she is currently a member of our book club, but she has an interesting history in that she's been a part of another book club. And she's going to tell us a little bit about herself,
2: and then we're going to ask her some questions about that book club. Hi, Anne. Hi, Amy. Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, my name is Anne Baker, and a little bit about myself is that um, I have two children, one in seventh grade and one in ninth grade, and um, I'm a real estate appraiser, and I did try to venture into becoming a dental hygienist. And... <laughs> failed miserably at that you didn't fail it was was just a you know it was just a blip it was it was it was a learning experience it was a learning
0: experience and how awesome is that to try something like that when you feel like you've already lived half a life as a real estate appraiser and decide you want to do something new that's a pretty brave thing to try
2: well thank you thank you (laughs) but but now that I'm not doing that it's given me a lot of time to read which is one of my favorite things to do so um I've been doing a lot more of that that's awesome because that's what
0: we'd like to talk about so tell us a little bit. I know that you were in a book club before
2: ours. And can you tell us a little bit about that book club? Sure. Um, that was in around 2001, and my mom invited me to become part of a book club in her neighborhood, and there was only four ladies, and um, we met once a month. The host that month would pick the book, and we would go to their house and read it, and um, it was wonderful. We were in the book club till about 2013.
0: Okay, and so there to me, there's a couple interesting things about your book club. One is that it was
2: intergenerational. Mm-hmm. So, what was what was the the age difference? What different ages of did you 80s. have in that? Mm-hmm. Um, I was the youngest, and I think I was around 29 or 30 at the time. And the oldest person in the book club was probably late 50s. Okay,
0: and the other interesting thing about it is the small size. Yes. There were only four people in it, which oh. I. I've I've been in several book clubs in my lifetime and I've never been in one that small. Right. So could other,
2: how do people join? Could other people join? How did that work yes, out? Yes. And it was complete. it was not the intention for the book club to be as small as it was. Um, one of the members had put a circular out in the neighborhood news newsletter asking if anybody would like to form a book club and only three people responded. So that led to the small size. And the more we, Met together, and the more we got to know each other, it just didn't seem possible for to bring anybody else in. By that time, you had sort of become yes. Uh, it was an intimate group, oh, I would guess, with only four people, right? And we got, got to know each other's backstories and things that were happening in our lives. One of the members was pregnant at the time, so her son is now a senior at Eastern. So it's <laughs> it's very it is interesting, and it was really wonderful. Although I feel like I need to interject here. I'm very much pro
1: small book clubs because the conversation is... Oh, not absolutely. That, not that I don't love our book club. I totally do. But I'm I'm very much pro book club because I would imagine, were you able to stay kind of on, I guess, I don't want to sound like a school marm, but on, on
0: task. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, we each got to speak about what our views on the books were. We were all heard. And um, I really enjoyed that process. And I thought, I, I think that's if you're able to do that, it is, it's a wonderful experience.
0: The other thing that's interesting about, about your experience as well is that you were, it was a, you were a mother daughter pair. Right. Now the other two were not related in any way. No, not at all. But I would think that would be an interesting experience to be in a book club with your mom or
2: with your daughter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you brought that up because I hadn't thought about it in a long time. But I do remember books where there was, like, sexual content in nature, and I felt so uncomfortable. Even as a grown woman. Isn't that funny? I imagine your mom did, too. I I don't know. It didn't seem to shock her or surprise her as much. But there were some conversations where I felt like I shied away from answering or talking about anything for fear of embarrassment.
0: This is kind of funny, but now that I am a mom of young adults and, you know, older teens, Mm -hmm. I find that I'm, that I'm more comfortable talking to them about Sex and things, and they are Absolutely. to mention it to me. Yes, yeah. so that's why I think yes. my mom felt mm-hmm. completely
2: comfortable throwing that stuff out. She's a grown woman. She, you know, yeah. she's mature, but yeah. I was still extremely nervous yeah. about the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like to believe that my mom thinks that I only had sex three times. <laughs> I have three children. That's that's it.
2: Yeah, I don't think my mom cares, but I certainly only want to think she had sex with my dad once to have me. <laughs>
0: So, how did your book club select the books?
2: It at the beginning, it was based on Oprah Winfrey's book club picks, and that was kind of the uh, impetus of forming the book club based on her picking books for people to read in mass, and then being able to talk about them. Um, and then gradually over time, we probably enjoyed her books less. So then we just discovered books on our own that we liked. And my mom actually, my mom and I both worked at Holly Cook Booksellers for periods of time. So I think that we... Had a little bit of uh, inside knowledge about books that were coming out. I'm very jealous of I you. I know, to work right? at an indie bookstore. <laughs> that is so
0: cool. I didn't I know worked that at the, about you. Yeah, I
2: worked in the cafe part. She actually worked in the bookstore part. Oh, okay.
1: cool. And so Holly Cook was a uh, local yes, bookseller feel, here that went out of business. It's been any number of years. So it was a big loss. I remember spending uh, a lot of time there during college. So It was such a wonderful place.
2: And now we have Carmichael's, and that might be, is that one of the few? That's one of the few. And indie bookstores that we
0: have that i mean have we still left. have a barnes and noble right, right but as far as the indie bookstores go but back to the oprah connection yes so did you did did you read the oprah book that was chosen for that month right. on tv and you kind of read along with that
2: yeah. the tv show it seems it's like, like that, that was the idea but it, did. it didn't happen mm-hmm. that way so mm-hmm. maybe we would have picked one that she'd already picked and already they'd already talked about so it doesn't feel like we ever stayed on that path Okay. Yes. But honestly, Oprah doing that is kind of what I think inspired Carol Mooney, the lady that started the book club, to have a book club. I don't know that I even thought to be in one before that. I think,
0: that. Uh, you know, so, some people may poo-poo Oprah a little bit. But I do
2: think that she sort of reinvented the idea of the yes. book club. And I hadn't thought about mm-hmm. that until you just now brought it up. But that was... Or
0: yeah. more or even if you wanted to just call it shared reading. Yes. Like, I mean, there might be people who you know, didn't actually get together with a group to discuss it, but, but they did a shared reading Which with I Oprah and her I think is such audience. a
2: beautiful idea to think that so many people, it's just like back when we were younger, we all watched the same TV shows and we could talk about them, you know, we right. watched whatever was on, there was limited numbers of channels. So we all talked about the same things. I definitely think Oprah kind of made,
1: uh, brought reading back into fashion mm-hmm. in a sense. Yes. I mean, I, I think that, among people who love books, they're always reading books, but I think she definitely made it more mainstream mm-hmm. and made it something kind of cool that right. lots of different people were doing and you didn't feel quite like such a book nerd mm-hmm. if you were reading.
0: And I have read quite, I started out reading quite a few of her picks mm-hmm. when she started the book club and and they're pretty decent books and she has since even, you know, she's chosen quite a few Literary, what we would consider literary classics. You know, so it wasn't uh, fluff that she was picking all the time. So, yeah. So um, were there any books
1: that once you started kind of branching off from Oprah, were there any books that were off limits or that you tried to, because I know like with our book club, just because we have so many people, we try to make sure that it's something that you can get paperback. So it's not going to be as expensive. So did you all have any limitations like that, that you put on your,
2: on your choices? No, not that I can remember. It doesn't seem like we were told not to, to pick a book that was in hardback. Um, and, I feel like, I'm trying to think, we picked a lot of fictional books, not hardly any nonfiction, hardly any memoirs.
0: Was there a book that your book club read that you remember
2: especially loving, that you felt like had a really good discussion? I remember reading Clay's Quilt, and Silas House is a native from Kentucky, and it was his debut novel. And he came to Holly Cook Booksellers to speak about that book. And, of course, I was just in love. He had a nice eastern accent, yes. eastern Kentucky accent. And um, that book was a favorite of ours. He's,
0: he's a really interesting author. So he is from eastern Kentucky. In fact, I lived in eastern Kentucky when that first book came out. Oh, I didn't and know he that. He was a rural mail carrier. Not where I not where I lived in Eastern Kentucky, but mm-hmm. in a different part. And he he was a rural mail carrier by day right. and working on his you know book on his spare time. Um, he is now a New York Times bestselling author. His most recent uh, book was called Southernmost, and it comes out in paperback pretty soon. And you and I had the pleasure of going yes, to we see did. him. Yeah. Yes, so he did a a reading book promotional. Tour it started out here in Louisville, Kentucky, and wasn't was it? it wonderful it with was. the singers like interspersed within his dialogue? Yes. So at his reading, he would read passages of his book, but he also had with him. I don't know if he did this at all of his other readings, mm-hmm. but, uh, but he had two musicians who were one was a, a singer and the other was played the guitar, right, acoustic and. Folk, very sort of folk, folk music, yes. and they would play a little song in between, and the lyrics sometimes had to do with what his passage was about. It was really cool. Oh, it was, and
2: it was really was cool. beautifully yeah. done. Yeah, I thought that it I, that was one of the most memorable book signings mm-hmm. that I've been to. Yeah, and he has uh, that particular book about
0: Clay's quilt. He has two books that come after that mm-hmm. uh, that are about other characters. Uh, in that book, and I think one is sort of a prequel.
2: I think it talks about Clay's grandmother. Yes,
0: the third one I can't remember it's, how it's related. But
2: right. there's two, two books: a parchment, parchment of leaves and the coal tattoo. Yes, those are the yes. two.
0: But I would recommend those those Me books too. if you haven't read them. And I really, I like. I'm from Appalachia originally. I'm from West Virginia, and so I sort of love Appalachian literature just because that's where my roots are. Right. Um, but I would if you're interested in trying out some Appalachian literature, I would definitely check out Silas house.
2: I agree. I agree.
1: So were there certain books that you all had either really, really good discussions about, or maybe books that you felt ill-equipped to have discussions about maybe because you didn't, Fully understand um, the context, or I know uh, we were just talking uh, before we started recording about a book that our book club is reading now, that's set in Azerbaijan, and so we are having a difficult time kind of understanding some of the context, and and we feel like we're missing part of the story. So, did were there any books like that where maybe it was more difficult to discuss them just because of a lack of sort of experience
2: or information right um there was no book that uh that i remember disliking a lot but a book that um i found was difficult to read but set in brooklyn new york of all places you wouldn't think that would be so difficult but it was a book called the coldest winter ever by sister soldier and it was it was difficult for our group to read because we're all four caucasian women we have no reference to anything um as far as that lifestyle so this is about a a young lady named winter trying to grow up in um brooklyn and her father's a drug dealer and so all of the different aspects of that book were new to us and bothersome to be honest
0: okay did you find that it was um while it might have been bothersome well uncomfortable yes that's a good way to put it yeah it was uncomfortable to read mm-hmm. did you feel like that as a group that you actually did get something out of it though that you or certain people did that you I, that yes. you learned
2: something about a culture that i that I, yeah. I i can't speak for the other three ladies because it's been a while but i do mm-hmm. rem, i it this book stuck with me of mm-hmm. all the books we probably read more than 140 books in those years and that, that one sticks out as one that was like, very strange to read, but eye-opening at the same time.
1: It reminds me of, um, there's a a TED Talk Mm -hmm. about the danger of a single story. And I actually have my students um, listen to this TED Talk, and it's about how you get very used to um, reading kind of from your own Mm -hmm. experience, your own culture, your own race. And so you then think that um, you think that that's everybody's story. And I, I mean, I think that's normal. I, I think that this is just kind of the way it is. So it's human, so nature, it's human right. nature. Right. Exactly. So I think it's it kind of like what I was saying about Ali and Nino. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's difficult to sort of wrap your head around other people's experiences, but overall, I think it, it gives you a lot to ponder. It makes yes. you think about, you know, what stereotypes do I have? Yes, what, absolutely. what bias do I have? And, it, you know, just kind of gets you out of your comfort zone. I, right. I think that's a good learning experience. I do
2: too. And it gives you a different perspective on where other people are coming from and what kind of lives they lead that I, I've never experienced myself. So it's kind of, I, I often think when you're reading a book and then you see it depicted in a movie and everyone in the book when you were reading may have been the same color as you or the same, mm-hmm. you know, had some similar styles and then you see it depicted in a movie and that wasn't what the author may have intended. So that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting mm-hmm. too. So what did you hope to get
1: when you joined this book club? And and then also you can think about with our book club. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you hoped or and hope to get out of book club? What What is it that you want to sort of um, have it mean in your life?
2: Um... That's such a nice way to to ask that question. I hadn't really, I think um, at the time when my mom invited me to that book club, I didn't have a lot of friends in Louisville. I was kind of new to the area. And um, it was just a nice way to share time with other ladies. And then when you all, when I was invited into your book club several years ago, again, just a nice way to be around other people while reading, having that shared experience of reading. So it's been
0: just I would totally say, well, I've always loved to read and I was an English major. So that's always been something that's been important in my life. But I have been in book clubs my whole adult life. And a lot of times it started out as a way to connect with yes. people. I would be in a new area. And so I would say, OK, I've got to, I've got to form a book club. Mm-hmm. And I would just invite people who I knew liked to read. They might not like to read what I like to read. But it was a way to make some connections. Right, right. And put yourself out there. And mm-hmm. yeah,
2: yeah. I, I love that.
0: <laughs> I, I guess I'm the weirdo. Since
1: I'm from here my whole life, I just wanted to get together and talk about books. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the true purpose of a book club. <laughs>
0: so is there anything about being a, in a
2: book club that has changed your reading life?
0: Yes, it has
2: absolutely forced me to read even when I don't feel like I've made the time to read. So I, I do make the time to read now. And I think that reading perpetuates more reading. So I don't read just one book at a time. I have mm-hmm. a book on an e-reader, and then I have a physical book so that I can read one at night and one during the day. So what kind of, what kind of books do you like to read just on your own? I like to read fiction. Okay. I, I like to read fiction and um, things that are recommended to me probably are a little bit easier things that I can get easily on the public library's overdrive if I can get those on my e-reader I'll just look up I'll put in the things that I like and then it'll throw out some books that they have available
0: and I know this is a totally impossible question but sure. like what what's a favorite book what's like one of your favorites it's so hard it's like picking oh, it a favorite so child
2: hard but yes there was a time when I went through um, a period of liking apocalyptic style books so The Road was a favorite by Cormac McCarthy I loved that book I'm trying to think of some others I think I remember that stage or me well
0: so a mutual friend who's actually who brought you into book club uh-huh. our friend Angie yes. I remember her talking about those those books and those are totally oh,
2: completely well,
0: dark <laughs> they're very dark. I, I'm not a huge fan of dystopian mm-hmm. novels although there have been a few recently that I've read that I have liked and I thought maybe I need to reevaluate my my what I think of as my dislike for dystopia maybe yeah. I don't actually dislike it that much, but I remember her talking about those. So I think you all must have been reading right. them at the
2: same time. Right. And then there's books about women that I've liked, um, The Handmaid's Tale, which i read at, I've read it several times at different stages of my life, which is such a cool thing to find out about yourself that a book can be so great at one time and then bring something completely different to the table later in your
0: life. I actually love, I'm not a big rereader. Do you read, do y'all reread books? Well, it, it depends. I,
1: I have reread Jane Eyre. I read it for the first time when I was 16 mm-hmm. and I thought it was a great, uh, love story. And so I have read Jane Eyre every decade Aww. since I was 16 and every decade, I've gotten something completely different oh, out of it. So that, that, that is the one book that I, you know, every 10 years mm-hmm. I pick it up and read it again. Yeah.
0: I recently reread Catcher in the Rye oh, yeah. and Catcher in the Rye is sort of about, about, a, um, a youth, um, who's at a boarding school and he just kind of can't sort of find his way. And I read it, I read it when I was a teenager and I remember, I mean, I couldn't totally relate to Holden Caulfield. That's the name of the main mm-hmm. character. Because I wasn't really that kind of teenager. You know, I, I liked school. I liked learning. I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do in life. But just the fact that he was a teenager, you know, teenagers kind of uh, can relate to other teenagers. Sure. But then common I Common angst. It, right? Yes, common like angst, thinking, exactly. Yes. And then I read it again last year.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And this time I... I actually felt like I almost had more empathy for him as an adult because I have three right. young adult teenagers myself. And um, they they have gone through some things mm-hmm. that have been, re- you know, not Holden's whole life, but like snippets of it that I could see in maybe experiences that my children had had and how as a parent you kind of just like you hurt for them that yes.
2: they're kind of lost. Right. So it is
0: interesting how you can read Books at different times in your life and get completely different. And we each have
2: teenage daughters, which brings all. You know, I've become a huge lover of young adult books, and I was going to say one book that I've read recently was um, "The Way I Was." Let's see if I can. By Amber Smith, and um, I, my daughter read it, and then she told me a little bit about it. But it's about a young girl, very young girl. She's maybe nine to 12 and she gets raped by her brother's um, best friend and kind of the aftermath of that and how she grows into a teenager and the different things she does to act out that pain without actually telling anybody so is
0: this a memoir or is it fiction it's completely fiction okay okay yes Mm -hmm. that's that's awesome well thank you so much for telling us about your book club and then you're going to join us for a minute and we're going to talk about the books that we're currently reading great thank you
1: So, Anne, what what are you either reading or do you have something that you're getting ready to start that you're excited about?
2: Yes. So I've got two books. Uh, one book is called A Gentleman in Moscow by Amar Towles. Did I pronounce that oh, correctly? Oh, Yes. So I remember that, Amy, didn't you go to Texas and see him speak about this? I did. Yes. Did you yeah. love it? I can't remember. I
0: actually have I have it next to my bed. I have not read it. It's like one of those books that, like, I'm so excited to read. I'm, like, waiting for the right. perfect time. <laughs> yes. And it is, it is kind of a... It's a large book. Like, it's going to take a little time to read. Yes. So, you know, it's like it's like having all your china that you requested for your wedding and then never using it. Yes. Like, <laughs> I'm waiting for the perfect time to read it, and I haven't read it yet. But I did see him speak about this book probably whenever it came first came out, a maybe three years, years ago, ago yeah. three or four years ago. And um, at, he was at the Texas Book Festival, which I have attended several times. And I will say one thing in particular. He is quite... Good looking. Oh, I yes. think. He's, I,
2: he, <laughs> I have looked him up and stalked him a little bit. Yeah. But he wrote the book Rules of Civility. Is that correct? Yes. Did you read that That one? is my favorite book. It is one of my I favorite books of book. all time. And yes. a friend of mine loaned me this book, and I gave it right back to her. I said, you know, I... I'm I'm not going to read it. You know, you go ahead. And she said my book club said it was their very favorite book of the year. And I don't know why, but I didn't want to take away from The Rules of Civility, which is my favorite book. Isn't that an odd thing, kind of like you, that you're so anticipating what the book is that you're almost afraid to read it? Yes. Yes, yes. And,
1: Amy, he's married, so I, I just know. checked. Well, so am
2: I, he but he's still, I pretty, <laughs> okay. he's still pretty good-looking. I just,
1: I just want to keep things above board. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh. And then there's another book called uh, The Simple Living Guide by Janet Lures, I believe her last name is. And I read this. I was in a group of women, and we— Jokingly called ourselves the Crunchy Moms back when I was pregnant with Drew. So that would have been about 12 or 13 years ago. And we would read self help, parenting, and being good to the earth books. So is this your third book club? I get, well, yes. I don't, I think that was more of a get together of women that were trying to be like minded and be more intentional about living and. I don't know that I fit the bill very well, but I enjoyed their company very much. But we read this book, and it's obviously about trying to not just simplify your life, but be intentional and be mindful when you're what you're doing, make that be the, the thing that you're concentrating on, and relationships, really making connections with people and not trying to zoom through your life and wonder what it's all about at the end. So I picked this one up yesterday because I was going to give it away and then opened it up and- thought, oh, I don't remember anything about this. And it's very intriguing to me right now in my life. So do you
0: get some, are you getting something more
2: out of it than you did the first time because you're in a different place? I think so. Because at the time my kids were very, were being born and very small. And the purpose of the club was more, um, I remember thinking it was trying to like eat local, you know, it, it was, very crunchy in nature, and I kind of felt at the time a little inadequate, and um, and wanting to be something that I wasn't. And so now, now that I'm growing up, and you know, with these kids, the kids are teenagers now. I feel like I can actually be more mindful about my life and not worry so much of the fact that my kids are eating fruit shoes and they're wasting <laughs> things in plastic. You know, yeah. I, that yeah. that was bothersome, but I didn't know how to solve that. Yes, yeah.
0: Well, Anne, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. It's been fun. Thank you all. Okay, Carrie, what are you reading right now?
1: Well, I just finished um, a children's book. It's When Zachary Beaver Came to Town. By Kimberly Willis Holt. It was written or published in 1999, and it won the National Book Award for Young People's Literature. So I have had this book for I don't know, close to a zillion years on my bedside table, and I finally decided I'm going to read it, and it was wonderful. Um,
0: I saw you gave it five stars on Goodreads. I know. Goodread. I know. So, That's pretty rare. Yeah. Children's
1: books tend to, for some reason, I don't know if it's because they're generally more redeeming than adult books, but I can usually, I'm usually willing to give those more stars. So the story is about a young boy named Toby, who is growing up in Antler, Texas in the nineteen early 1970s. So the Vietnam War is going on. And he has a best friend named Cal, and a sort of like a freak show comes into town and that's there's how... nothing
0: better than a freak show to spice up a book
1: <laughs> so zachary beaver uh is part of this freak show now i will not tell you why he's part of this freak show so that you can go read the book but it's about how toby and cal so there's kind of multiple stories going on so toby is facing a situation with his mom and Cal is facing a situation with his older brother and then they have this combined situation with Zachary Beaver and so it's just one of those books that by the end of it it, you know it is definitely one of those feel-good books but I think that's kind of nice for a children's book it's a chapter book um
0: would you say it's middle grade
1: yes definitely definitely Mm -hmm. middle grade um but it's, uh, you know, there's all sorts of wonderful themes, themes of friendship, themes of forgiveness, um, themes of salvation. Uh, it, it, there's really, there's sort of like a, a bit of a um, a religious thread through it, um, which is nice, but it's
0: not like beach over the head with mm-hmm. any type of, um, uh, you know. Well, I'll admit, I had never heard of that book till I saw that you were reading it through Goodreads. Yes. And then when you gave it five stars, I thought, well, I might have to, I might have to add that
1: one. Yes, well, I've got to, it. To my, my mom's TBR. borrowing it now, so oh, you can okay. have it when she's done. Okay. Yeah, so, Great. and then the audio book I just finished is... Um,
0: um, my Cousin Rachel by Daphne du Maurier. That's been one of my favorite audiobooks that I have listened to in the last couple years. Yeah. yeah. And so
1: Jonathan Price was the um, narrator. And, you know, I didn't. I, and maybe it's because I've read. Um, what's the one? Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I read that and listened to My Cousin Rachel. I still felt the suspense. But. I didn't love my cousin Rachel as much as I love Rebecca.
0: Did you? Didn't but you? But
1: I think it was because I just didn't like the characters. Oh, the okay. The characters in my cousin Rachel, so Rachel and Philip, really got on my nerves. I felt like smacking them pretty much equally. And I didn't know who I could trust which is intended. I mean it's very suspenseful and you go one chapter you think, "Oh, okay, I believe I believe Philip now." And then the next chapter you think, "No, Philip's an idiot. I believe Rachel now." And so you keep flip-flopping. At the end, I was sort of glad it was over because I was like, I don't know who I don't know who to believe and they both got issues.
0: So, <laughs> see, I thought that I enjoyed my cousin Rachel more, almost more. It was very close, but Mm -hmm. I would give a little bit of an edge to My Cousin Rachel over Rebecca. And I did really love both of them. But I felt like with My Cousin Rachel, the suspense was just, like, it was just so thick. You Mm -hmm. could, like, cut it with a knife. And there was part of me that when I was listening to it, I'm like, oh, I just don't think I can listen to any more. This is just too tense. But yet I had to keep listening to find out what was was going to happen. Now, I do agree that both of the characters, uh, both of the main characters... W- w- were frustrating mm-hmm. at times but those character flaws that they had were part of what made the suspense oh sure so high yeah. so one of you know kind of goes hand in hand but i would highly recommend that audiobook for someone who is searching for a, for a good one
1: and it's always nice to listen to jonathan price he's, Absolutely. he's able to change the voices
0: it sounds like it sounds like he's acting it out oh, yeah. completely with you know with just his lovely voice. If, for those not familiar Jonathan Price is a famous actor. Mm-hmm. He was the most recent thing I've seen him in he was in Game of Thrones but Oh. Yeah, for for a season, maybe two seasons. So he he had sort of a just a temporary role in there but uh, anyway, he's a, yeah, he's a famous actor but he did a fabulous fabulous job on this one.
1: Well, I'm glad to, I'm glad to put it uh, as another one that I've read of hers. And I do want to read Jamaica in. So,
0: well, I do want to ask you, because I know you and I separately have had a conversation about how you weren't sure that you could listen to literary fiction on an audiobook, And while I agree with you about that, I wondered what's your thought about that now? Because I told you, I was fairly certain that you could follow this one Fairly well. Yeah,
1: I, I definitely think, um, I, I don't seem to have a problem. I worry that I wouldn't listen as closely or I wouldn't pay as close of attention to details. I'm still not sure, you know, from a, I guess I'm thinking as an English teacher, but from the perspective of finding um, symbols and metaphor and stuff like that, I still think I would need to read it. But it's a nice way for me to use all that time in my car when I'm driving you know, hither and yon, it's a nice way for me to get some reading, quote unquote, reading in um, and enjoy the book. Yep. So I'm definitely pro audiobook.
0: Okay. Now.
1: So how about you? What, well, what have you been doing?
0: The book I'm going to talk about today is one that you actually challenged me to read. Yay. So I'm doing a reading challenge right now. And I was telling her that one of the slots that I need to fill is a, um, a genre that you're not familiar with. And I have never read any graphic novels and have, have wanted to try one because I feel like I'm a little uh, not the cool kid because I haven't read any gra- graphic novels. And so Carrie here told me about one that is a favorite of hers. And it's called My Favorite Thing is Monsters. And it's by an artist and author named Emile Ferris. And it is quite a thick graphic novel. I don't think most of them are this big. Uh, but I was very excited to try it. And I will say that this book is brilliant in a lot of ways. Um, it's, it's highly imaginative. The artwork is amazing. Um, but in the end, I did not feel, feel like it was for me. But not that I don't think that it is a... I do think that it is a really great book and it has a lot of deep... Um, themes and there's so many different like layers to this onion that you're almost a little overwhelmed I felt like my my issue well let me tell you a little bit about what what it's about it's about a girl she's 10 or 11 years old Uh, her name is Karen Reyes and she is um, a Hispanic girl growing up in Chicago in the late 1960s And she lives with her mother and her much older brother, who is a young adult uh, that she calls Dees. And she's very, very close to both of them, but she herself feels like she does not fit in anywhere. And she loves B movies, horror movies, and she also loves Pulp Fiction magazines, and she kind of thinks of herself as a little monster and the author herself draws Karen like a little werewolf. Um, And so there's not really chapters per se, but between each section of the book, the author has uh, drawn a cover of a pulp fiction type magazine that sort of relates to whatever she's going to be uh, talking about in the next part of the book. Even though this is a child narrator, this is not a book for a young person. <laughs> it is uh, violent. There's a lot of sexually explicit material in it. Um, so there's that part um, that was a little different than I was expecting the The other part is that maybe it's because I've never read a graphic novel before but I was imagining it was going to be a little bit like reading a comic book where you have strips that are kind of stacked on top of one another and the artistic style of of this book is such that there there may just be one picture per page but there could also be five or six pictures per page and they could they could be in all you know corners of the of the book and in between and I felt like I wasn't sure where my eyes were supposed to go. And that, that bothered me. I don't know if I just have a, you know, a more orderly personality. You're a very straight-laced
1: person. I guess.
0: I, it bothered me that I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be looking at first or, or the order that something was supposed to be viewed in. And that caused me anxiety, um, this book caused me a little bit of anxiety to read, and it, it took me a lot longer to finish um, than I wanted. But as far as like the storyline goes, there's a, just, I feel like it's, there's a lot of secrets. Karen wonders why her neighbor upstairs in their apartment building has died they say it's suicide she doesn't think it's suicide but she's not really sure why she wonders what her big brother Dee's has done that everybody said was so terrible years ago she wonders why her father's not in her life anymore and there's also the neighbor who died uh, upstairs um, was a holocaust survivor and so there's a whole section about that so there's a lot of secrets going on and the other thing that bothered me is at the end we don't really find out how any of those things end. There is another book coming, but it does leave you hanging, and I kind of hate a book that yeah. leaves me hanging. See, I'm I'm the opposite.
1: I well, when I finished the book, I was so into it that I was frustrated because I knew I had to wait. Yeah. But it it makes me very very excited for when the the second volume comes out, and I believe that's supposed to come out in September.
0: Yeah. So, well, I can see how someone would love this. And like I said, there were parts of it that I did really enjoy. There were a lot of great quotes in here that I enjoyed. And I, like I said, I thought the artwork was phenomenal. So, not only is there a lot of sort of monster art, but there are some pages because Dees loves art and, and is an artist or believes he's an artist. And so he often takes his little sister Karen to the Art Institute of Chicago. And the author of this book has recreated a lot of the artwork that famous artwork that they saw at the Art Institute of Chicago. Um done in pastels on these pages, I believe. And it's just it's just very in- impressive. Um But I think I was overwhelmed. (laughs) I think I was overwhelmed by. uh, This might not have been the graphic novel I should have started with. That was your gateway. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) this shouldn't have been my gateway. Now, I do want to read more graphic novels. I am intrigued by the genre. And I heard someone say recently, I think it was a literary critic, say that graphic novels are a window into what the author mm-hmm. is seeing in their mind when they write it. And that was so in- that quote was so interesting to me that it really made me want to read a graphic novel because I'd never really thought about it about it like that.
1: I, I think there's a whole other layer to the book. Um, the way I heard about it was from a fresh air interview with Emil Ferris. And she talked about how she had contracted, I believe it was West Nile virus. And so I feel like that is another part of this story. Um, so it has all these multiple, as you said, multiple layers to the onion. But then there's also this kind of idea about illness and sickness and um, that, that kind of underlies everything. So uh, I'm going to put a link to this um, Fresh Air interview on our notes so that people who are interested can, can listen to it because it was fascinating. It it was the reason that I put it on my to read list.
0: Well, and there's one other layer to the story I didn't even mention before that you can just throw in there, which is that Karen believes that she's gay. And so that's another whole layer to the story that I didn't even talk about before. So this is an extremely deep book. I almost feel like if I could, if I could, pull up the courage. I almost feel like I should read it again because I felt like I really missed a lot the first time. But uh, if you like graphic novels, you like things that are dark, um, you like wonderful uh, graphic art, I would recommend this book. Just because it wasn't totally my cup of tea doesn't mean that it wouldn't be for someone else. Do
1: you think 18 and older?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely had a lot of mature uh, themes, Mm -hmm. as well as depictions. Yeah. It's definitely for 18 and older. For sure. So what about audiobooks? So the audiobook I just finished is my beginning of summer reading uh, entry. And it is a book called Summer Crossing by Truman Capote. And this was the first novel he ever wrote, but it was considered lost for about 50 years he started writing it, they believe in 1943 and people knew that he was writing it, but it was never found in his papers. It was never published. It was never found in his papers, um, immediately after his, his death. And then several years later they did find it. And I believe it was published in 2003, maybe 2005. Um, they, they found the, the novel. It's more of a novella. It's short, like a lot of Truman Capote's work. So this is my third Truman Capote piece. I've i read uh, In Cold Blood, which I loved. And then this past um, holiday season, uh, I read, he has a holiday story collection. I can't think of the name of it right off the top of my head. It might be called uh holiday celebration something like that um but it's made up of three stories one is about thanksgiving one is about christmas uh and it was really a delightful holiday collection um and i would highly recommend that is it holiday memories that's it holiday memories yeah i highly recommend, especially during the holidays, if you like reading seasonally and want to read um, some holiday work, I'd highly recommend that one. So this was my third one. It's a novella. It's short like the other three or others that I mentioned, and it is about a doomed love affair mm-hmm. um, between a New York City socialite who's 17 years old, grew up on f- um, Fifth Avenue in a penthouse, and a mid-20s uh, World War II veteran who is sort of a underachiever who works as a parking attendant at the country club where her parents are members. Her parents go to Europe for the summer, and she is at home in the penthouse by herself. Smart parents. Yeah. And she has this, this affair. And she is uh, rebelling. Against the high expectations of her parents, and, her, and the, um, her lover is sort of rebelling about the expectations that his family has for him to marry the nice Jewish girl neighbor down the street. And um, I enjoyed the audiobook. I think I might have enjoyed it better reading it. Truman Capote, because his, his work is so short, I feel like every word matters, mm. and there's a lot of richness to the language, and I felt like I didn't pick up on all of it, and and um, I would have enjoyed his beautiful language more reading it than I can listening to it. I don't always, you know, in a book I can highlight something and go back and look at it, or I can read a passage again. I mean, you can sort of do that with an audiobook. I mean, you can go back and listen to a passage again. I just felt like I might have appreciated um, some of the beautiful language more had I read it rather than listen to it. But it's not a very long um, audiobook. It's great if you just have a you know a short trip you're going on and you want to listen to something. and it is set during the summer and it's summer, and it's always fun to listen to a summer read so I would recommend it I wouldn't put it like at the top of my list of audiobooks that I have have you know listened to in the last year but I I wouldn't discourage you from listening to it either all right Louisville Kentucky is a great place to be a book lover because there are all kinds of book related events that happen here If you're a local listener, most shows, we will give you a list of some events happening within the next month.
1: So one of the first ones happens uh, tonight, May 29th. uh, Kentucky Shakespeare Festival begins, and um, it runs through August 4th. It's in Central Park. The shows begin at 8, but the food trucks are there starting at 630. So I highly recommend that you check that out sometime between now and August 4th. The Kentucky Shakespeare Festival had a touring version of Macbeth that went around to parks, and my family saw it in J-Town, and it was pretty great. You know, it's a stripped-down version, but it's fantastic. And it's absolutely free. Absolutely free.
0: So the very first play they're doing is As You Like It. Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: And then the summer reading kickoff begins uh, on Saturday, June 1st, and it is going to be at the main branch from 10 to 1. There will be a cultural past showcase. Uh, I still have kids that I force to participate in the summer reading program, so we're always uh, in favor of that. So make sure your kids start reading, although they still, if they're JCPS kids, they still have a week of school left, so...
0: (laughs) And on June 6th, uh, local author Silas House will be talking about his best-selling book, Southernmost. It recently came out in paperback, and he is on book tour. That will be at the Louisville Free Public Library main main branch at 7 p.m. That's a free event, but it does require tickets, and I would suspect that it may sell out. So you should go to the Louisville Free Public Library website to request those tickets. And then on June 8th, the Kentucky Museum of Art and Craft is going to have a book launch um, for the uh, short story collection Makeshift by Joe Sackstetter. And there will be a textile art installation that goes with that as well. This is kind of a fancy event in that there will be be drinks and food that's catered by uh, local chefs. And it sounds like it would be a good time. Pretty fancy, yeah. Mm -hmm. So then the next one we have is on June 10th, New York Times bestselling author Dorothea Benton-Frank will be at the main branch of the Louisville Free Public Library. She has a new book that's coming out. Um, This event is free, but it does require tickets. It starts at 7 p.m. Frank's books are set in South Carolina, low country area around Charleston. That's where most of her books take place. She has about 12 books out, um, and that might be somebody you'd like to go see.
1: Now, Amy... I have a question for you.
0: What is that? Can you tell me the name of a book
1: that has a crazy lady in the attic and a timid governess? <laughs>
0: Jane Eyre. Very good. You
1: are very right. And you're correct. And the reason I was asking you that is because on June 12th, there is going to be literary trivia at Butchertown Social. Uh, That is from 7 to 9, and it's hosted by Louisville Literary Arts. And so if you have an especially uh, well read friend that you would like to take to that, grab them and head down there for a night of book trivia.
0: Hey, you combine wine and books and friends. You can't get much better than that. It's all
1: good. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes about what we've talked about, check out our blog site at perksofbooklovers.wixsite.com. You can also leave us feedback. We would love to hear your suggestions. And if you are a member of a book club in any form, either in person or virtually, and would like to be a guest, please contact us at our blog site as well. We always want to talk to fellow readers about what they are reading. A huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, Community Radio in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there or live streamed at
0: forwardradio.org.